Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Introducing Carissa Green Industries. Let's get ready to launch. I caught up with Greg Vandergast recently to solve all of the world's problems, mostly in the security domain. Greg's a principal consultant with Creative Minds Consulting Group, working with CISOs across some of the biggest organizations in the world. Greg's helping them streamline their operations and reduce waste by getting to the root cause of security problems. Excellent. So let's kick this thing off. Greg, I'm so excited to have this conversation. I know that we spoke a few weeks back and then when I spoke to you, I was so excited to get you on the podcast to have a conversation about some of your viewpoints on the industry. But firstly, I wanted to talk more about your security journey. Um, so my, I mean, most people know me as a, as a constantly raving about leadership and information security and how it's sorely lacking. So mm-hmm. my journey was that of the kind of uh, teenage hacker where uh, recently I saw like a, an all-time top five and I was listed on there with Kevin Mitnick, which I, I thought was a bit flattering, probably a bit too too much for me. But um, yeah, I, I started out at, you know, in counterintelligence and then I was just the, you know, eating a book a week or two books a week of, of technical knowledge and, and just massively technical for about 10 years and the whole spectrum from, you know, networking to operating systems to security systems to all kinds of stuff. And I did that for about 10 years and I realized it, it doesn't matter how good I make the tech and how perfectly I, I you know, the, the, the width and, and depth of knowledge, uh, it just wasn't, was never getting implemented right at the organizational level. And then I got more into management and then more into actually structuring operations. Uh, and then I, I just found myself to always be doing things myself because I could never find anyone that had the same kind of curiosity or, or depth of care. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me more to the leadership side where I really started kind of building people up. Um, because it's, I'm quite worried with where the infosec industry is going. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, we, every day there's, you know, you're bombarded by vendors, which is how we met because I, I just roll my eyes at all the... Uh, I did a post oh, that's right. You saw the video. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my last post on LinkedIn was like, I don't know who tells more, uh, you know, false facts. Is it Donald Trump or the security industry? Because every day I see a claim with some figure that they could not possibly have compiled. You know, mm-hmm. 81.7 computers in this country are vulnerable. Like, how do you know? So I, I just I just really question the industry when we have all this tech coming out and companies. I mean, 99% of breaches are for brain dead, simple things like missing patches and it mm-hmm. hasn't changed in 20 years and we're adding more and more complexity to the mix and it's actually costing us the visibility to, to do the basics uh, and everyone's kind of following this trend and I wrote an article recently and uh, someone commented on it it's like you've just described the cybersecurity industrial complex mm-hmm. where it basically you know a big chunk of it just exists to promote itself mm-hmm. and a lot of the people in it they've come up with it so they're they don't realize it. They think they're doing the right thing, but they're they're so indoctrinated to the point where they're no longer addressing the real issue. They're living in this bubble where they're just kind of looping and doing what, what the industry expects of them. So I think if you break it down, and this is where you have to 
put leadership into it and, and be really proactive, 90% of information security work today is just dealing with symptoms of a problem that can be eliminated if you have more leadership and more engagement with the business. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, yeah, but the business doesn't listen to us. It's like, because you're not talking to them. There, there's so much blame culture. Whenever you see a, a breach, it's like, well, you know, CISO was asleep at the wheel. How can you not know this or that? And it's like, no, it's not the CISO's fault. They wouldn't give him the resources. Why wasn't he engaging the board? They don't listen mm -hmm. to us. But, you know, they don't speak our language. Well, of course they don't speak your language. They don't speak their language. Um, you know, uh, I was explaining this, you know, the CEO, COO, CTO, CFO, they all speak different languages. Mm -hmm. But they have a common second business language that they can communicate things. And CIOs are getting increasingly better at this as well. Um, you know, it's like the Chinese, uh, uh, British, uh, French, German exchange students going somewhere. They're all talking English. It's all their second language, but they, they mm -hmm. manage to communicate. And we're not doing that and we're not engaging and there's a big blame culture. And, uh, and these things persist. And you get that issue where you have a core business. It, it, as part of that business, you're going to have some issues that you need to build controls around. Mm -hmm. Well, you're talking mm -hmm. about 10. We don't do that. And then they spread out, each one of those branches spreads out into 10 other branches and then 10 other branches. And that's where InfoSec mm -hmm. steps in. And I've got 20 units of resource, but I got to cover a thousand issues. And I can't yeah. do it with any level of care that's actually good enough. Uh, because, you know, an attacker is just going to scan everything, look at everything, pursue every possible angle, and he's going to find a way in because you'll have forgotten lots of stuff. Uh, so go on. I'm keen to know, I know when we spoke last, we spoke about leadership gap. Now, you expressed your interest around this. So let's jump into that for a second. And visibility, accountability, engagement are part of many CISOs and information security managers. Can you talk more about some practical examples that you have, what your thoughts are, perhaps some insights that you have from this perspective? Because this is something that, for me personally, that I feel that a lot of people are just sweeping under the carpet because they're really focused on the tech, which is what you said originally yeah. starting this conversation. But it's an yeah. area that I feel is just being really left behind. And then when it's sort of raised, everyone brushes it under the carpet to say, well, it's just a comms thing and then no one cares. But this is so yeah. critical to any business being successful from a security you know, positioning point of view. But I want to get your thoughts on what that actually means. Yeah, yeah, because my, my tagline on LinkedIn is, is, you know, build infosec organizations that actually work. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's, it's a cultural issue. You have to engage culturally. And, and uh, the kind of industry has appropriated so many terms. As soon as I say cultural, people think user awareness. Like I, I don't mean user awareness. I mean, you know, engage with at board level in a language they can actually understand. And by mm -hmm. the way, the best way to learn a language is to listen to it. Uh, we mm -hmm. are servants of the organization. We are not some hot shot. You know, they don't need us. We need them. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, and raise their awareness and their understanding, and then they will give you the authority and the mandate to, to do something. And you never want to push security in an authoritarian way. Uh, you want to build relationships and collaboration. Mm -hmm. And you know, to your point, we just want tech band-aids. I just want to buy a blinky box that fixes my problem, and it's, it's never going to happen. And me going over to Bob in accounting and saying, Bob, don't do this, and then walk away, 
He's just going to be like, who the hell is that guy? And why is he bothering me? <laughs> uh, and, and we, we, we do that, you know, we do user awareness. And it's, it, I think it's so arrogant because we're going up to these people who are actually doing a job that's paying the bills and our salaries as security people. And we're telling them you know, what to do, which is our job. You know, we want you to do a part of our job. And then we walk away. We show absolutely no interest. in. so they don't feel engaged. They don't feel involved. They don't understand so how ha- how do you, how do you, okay, so that's a really good point that you raised because I've had these multiple conversations. How do you think companies should go around, I guess, getting, was it Bob that you said? Bob in finance? Getting Bob yeah, more involved. <laughs> can be whoever in whatever department. Like yeah. Sally, Jane, whoever. Bob in finance. So how do we get his head to turn? So what is the sort of language? What's the communication? Because I don't know. I just see all these people like, oh, we got to communicate better. But what are you actually doing about it? Like doing, not just saying you're going to do something. It, it, it's, li- I mean, it's, it's so simple that it's awkward. It's just talking to people and it's, you know, you're not going to have chance to, a chance to talk to every single Bob and Alice, but you know, every, every person that you meet in the hallway, you engage them in a positive way. Uh, you involve all, you know, every all the Bobs and Alice's as managers at least, and you you build up that that culture. You explain that you're there for them. I mean, I've I walked into organizations where you know disabled guy had spent like six months in limbo because he had a, a Bluetooth uh, earpiece for his hearing aid, and it was you know in violation of policy. And this guy was left in limbo for six months. There was a chain of email like fifty plus emails long. And it was just like, has anyone <laughs> gone upstairs to talk to this guy? No, and it's like, okay, it's got a range of like five feet. He's next to a four foot tall concrete, uh, thick concrete wall. It's fine. Mm. Get a policy exception and and get on with it. And, you know, people are hugely appreciative. And the people around him see this, you know, and it's, it's just building relationships. And I mean, it sounds tacky almost, but that's a huge part of it. But you start that at board level, you get people on board and it changes the world and people don't realize this. And I think the, the skills gap is a phenomenal example of this because everyone's like, we need more bodies. We need more bodies. And so I look at InfoSec people and, you know, there's some absolutely brilliant people out there, but I'll, we were just saying this before we started that so many people in the business now, they were promised good pay and lots of jobs. And that's why yeah. they went into it. People yeah. have that passion of, I, I'm so curious about everything. You know, I mean, I take apart watches, I take apart cars, I just want to figure out how everything works. They don't necessarily you know, have that hacker culture, as I call it, that curiosity of how every little piece works. No, you're uh, right. And, and one, one of the guy. things, yeah, on. I was just going to say, one of the things that I've noticed, and I've said this a few to some people, and I'm going to say it on this podcast, is I sort of look at the industry like the house is on fire. But, like, everyone's acknowledging, like, oh, yeah, like, your house is just burning down in flames. But, like, what is anyone actually doing about it? Like, there's no buckets. No one's calling, like, a fire brigade. No one's doing <laughs> anything. But everyone's acknowledging yeah. that that person's house is burning in flames. Yeah. But then... Oh, like, what is anyone doing? Example, oh, we need better communications or, oh, we need better people in this industry. But what are you actually doing that's tangible to get one people into the industry or, you know, whatever that problem is? And second of all, like, what is your communication strategy? And just saying that people need to know security is not really the answer to that. It's actually about how you talk to them, how do you engage with them? So a big problem with security is, is it's, it's non-functional. The business doesn't know whether it's working or not until you're Marriott and you're in the front page. But they don't see it. So, you know, me as a board member, I can have 
you know, I'm spending 10 million a year on some infosec organization. I have no idea if they're doing a brilliant job. Or Hang on, what do you mean by no idea? Because I, I just can't tell, can I? Because if I, you know, IT d delivers me a functional requirement. Like, hey, I want IT to build me a web platform where customers can do this and this and this, and that'll enable the, this business. Mm -hmm. And if IT doesn't do that, I find out right away because it doesn't work. And I get the phone rings, and I get complaints. Whereas, you know, if, I, if I'm doing CM logging, I don't know if they're actually looking at the logs or if it's configured properly. Or like, I'll, I'll never find out. I'll find out six months after the breach when they, you know, we actually have nothing on the logs and uh, no one can see anything. Um, so are you saying that no one's like really auditing this, governing this, like they're sort of just hoping for the best? The, uh, a lot, yeah. I mean, the boxes are getting ticked. And a lot of people argue with me on this. It was like, no, no, we do all this, we do all this, we do all this. And it's like, you say that, but literally... <laughs> Every single time I go into a company, I find like, or it's scoped wrong, or the, the lack of care is shocking. I mean, the last customer I was with in a month's time, I found one and a half million pounds of security technologies that were either not being used or not configured properly. And they hadn't noticed for three years that they weren't logging a single system. The, the, box, was ticked. the box was ticked. It, well, it was with a third party supplier. And, you know, they take the box, that's done, moving on. And, but you, they, no one ever checked. And I'm like, I'm like, well, how, what exactly are they logging? What, what kind of correlation are they doing? How, how qualified are the people doing it? And they're just like, don't know. You know, so it's, it's ticked, it's in a contract, it passes the audit. But they were like, But is there some know, type of reporting functionality happening no. or no. nothing? <laughs> but then what about, what about the board? Are they saying that, look, we're spending, you know, $10 million a year on the security Field and the security area. Told, this was an MSP, and they were just told, "Well, this is a con uh, you know contractual requirement. That's what it costs." And uh, okay, you know they, they they don't look any further in into it, and it's you know it's the CISO's job to do that. It's not their job, uh, and I think that's part of the blame. Procurement and stuff like that. Shouldn't they be sort of governing these contracts and things like that? Or I, I, I've never seen. Oh, Extremely few exceptions. I've never seen InfoSec actually get involved in the writing of these contracts. And they're usually like incredibly nebulously worded. I've heard, you know, an entire data center of 500 systems called as, quote, the application, unquote. Um, so it's, okay. yeah, it can be quite, quite difficult. But then um, what, what do you mean by the lack of care? So if you're a CISO, right, you've obviously got like, you've obviously spent some time in the industry, you invested in it because at the end of the day, and what people talk about, like if there is a breach, it's not only the company's brand, but it's their personal brand. So, I mean, if anything, there should be an ulterior motive for them as, as a, from a personal perspective that they're feeling like, well, I have a due diligence to this company to make sure it yeah. is it is secure well, to some degree. Well, part, part of that is that, you know, because, and this it all comes back to culture, because if you don't grow people to be very, you know, vertical and, and horizontally broad, they just fill that pigeonhole role. And, you know, your visibility is going to go through one or two layers of hierarchy in the organization, tops. Mm -hmm. And when you got the CISO at eight levels above operations, he's completely blind. He's relying on reporting that's, you know, it's just these green panes of glass, everything's being done. You know, systems missing patches, zero. Yeah, but it doesn't mention that it's because they've end of life and they haven't made patches for them in the last five years and they're all extremely vulnerable. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, do we do vulnerability scanning? Yes, but it doesn't tell you that the, the guy that configured the web vulnerability scan on your website 
didn't bother to click the enable web check modules box in the tool, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, which is another thing I found recently. Uh, two years they've been scanning their website without actually running the web checks. So, um, so what, what, it, what would you like to say? So if there's a company sitting there listening to this podcast, what's some, what's some advice or what's some feedback perhaps from your perspective or what people should start to look into? And being careless to me, it means that you don't really have any pride in your job if you don't care, especially from a security perspective. No, but I'll, I'll go back to the, um, the skills gap argument, which is, you know, throw more bodies at it. Cause I think there's so many uh, examples of, of failed leadership here. And it's, well, first off, you don't need more bodies because most of the people working there are, are at 10% of their human potential in terms of what they can do, how proactive they can be. And how, how do you validate the 10%? So what's your, what, how do you, how do you validate that? You know, just on, just on breadth of knowledge and, and level of engagement. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's, you know, I, I know one tool and I don't even know how, how that works. Like the underlying foundation, I uh, was right. one, one guy, he was like, he was arguing with me the other day, called me a dinosaur, how you know, systems don't matter. I do cloud stuff. I do, you know, functions as a service. Uh, you don't understand how it's architected. Uh, you know, you can't, you can't compromise it, blah, 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 because of this and this and this. I'm like, mm. you, you're, you've gone so far up in your abstraction layer of what you do that and I, I repeated this to him like five times and he still would not understand that Run. Your, your stuff actually runs on a server somewhere. There is so focused in his one cloud area, uh, especially as a service stuff, where you have these abstract architectures. And it's like, yeah, but at some point it's running on a physical system mm -hmm. with an operating mm -hmm. system that needs to be patched and hardened and configured. And he was like, yeah, but within the function, like, I don't care about the function. It runs on a Unix system somewhere. If I've got root on it, I control your drive access, your memory access. I can feed you anything I want. You're compromised. Uh, and there's so many little bricks. And I, I compare, it's become so segmented now. All the rules are so pigeonholed. I, I compare it to a, a brick wall. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone's got their brick. Everyone works together and builds up this wall together. That's, that's fantastic. Right. Except there, you know, everyone's little brick, even if it looks perfect, there's no mortar anywhere. There's nothing holding this stuff together because no one's connecting to the layer next to it or above it or below it. And it looks like a great big sturdy wall, but it's actually full of cracks and little slits in between. Uh, and management's 100 yards away and they just see a big brick wall. It's like, that looks fantastic. You give it a kick, so it falls down. How, how do you think these roles got so pigeonholed? I don't know. I, th I think a lot of it is, is the industry just, you know. Greg, that's uh, not true. I feel like you do. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, people, well, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, th I, mean, I think it's. I think a, I wrote an article about human potential, and I, uh, you know, I, I hung out with teenage hackers as, as a kid, and it was, I was 18. I started getting you know these uh, these security certifications, and I remember getting one in particular, and I recently saw it on a CompTIA chart, and yeah. it was like their highest level expert certification. And I remember getting that when I was 18 years old and getting onto the, the Hack Freak chat room on Undernet on, on IRC. And I was like, hey, I just got this. And one guy replied, congratulations, you can read. And everybody else just laughed. Because for them, it's an absolute joke. I mean, what we consider expert level is, you know, there, there's 14-year-old teenagers that know 100 times more than that in exceptional right. cases. So but it's, the concerning. bar is really, really low. And I'm like... You can read a book about Linux in a week. You can read a book about Microsoft in a week. You can read a book about TCP/IP in a week. You know, uh, that's three weeks worth of knowledge. CISSP 
which is something guys are going after when they've been in the industry for five years and, and they find really intimidating. Wait, it's a, it's a six, eight hundred page book. It takes you a week and a half to read it. And that's a week and a half worth of knowledge. What have you been doing for the last 10 years? So basically what you're saying is quality, not quantity is required. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I, I just want people to be naturally curious and build up their sets because the, the threat is not doing this as a nine to five and, oh, I studied, I don't need to read anymore. They're constantly evolving, figuring stuff out. We need to be as well. And that's mm -mm -mm. a cultural thing where people have to be hungry for it. And I keep well, going back to the, to the skills gap. It's like people aren't using their potential is the first of all. But a human being is just capable of so much more is, is the point I was trying to make there. And then two is you got these pigeonholed roles where you're not getting the most out of that person. It's like the best jobs are what can you do and it, soft skills are really important here because I don't really care about hard skills because I will take a college grad and train them up to you know a six-figure consultant in six months putting an hour a day into him. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. so that's, that's another thing. Why aren't you investing in your people? And that's not just technical training because a lot of companies are doing some technical training, although they try not to because it's expensive. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you're proactive, I mean, if I'm in a management role, I'm spending an hour a day every single morning having a coffee with my guys and girls sometimes in my office. And we walk around, we talk about stuff, we walk around. And I don't tell them, you know, this is how security works in theory, blah, blah, blah. No, no, let's walk around. Mm -hmm. This is this, this is that. This is where IT does patching. This is why it doesn't work. This is broken because of what's wrong here. Always ask the whys. And that, yeah. that's a big thing about InfoSec. People see an issue, oh, there's a vulnerability. Uh, and this is part of the um, the those branches that keep expanding and expanding. Um, they see an issue; it's missing a patch, or it's you know, misconfigured, and we fix that issue, and we move on. No one's asking why was that system misconfigured. I mean, we have provisioning processes, or we should. Maybe there but is. But why is no one asking this? Like, come, like, why? Like, I what's the reason? Yes, you do know. I don't know why people. I, I, again, well, well, it's, it's like a lack of intelligent curiosity, by the sounds of it. So, you know what? Someone described it to me as, you know what? Intellectual. Uh, one guy just said passion, lack of passion. Another guy said lack, a lack of intellectual. Then why are they in this industry? Like, why do I, do something should, else then? They shouldn't be, and that's the thing. It's like we need, you know, people are like, we need more bodies. We know. We need probably a fifth, a fifth of the bodies we have now, but we need them highly skilled. I don't want, mm -hmm. you know, 30,000, 40,000 a year analysts. I want, you know, two six-figure guys who know exactly what, you know, very broad range of and they can think critically and they can engage human beings on a human level. Um, and I, I'm tired of hearing the excuses of you, you need more bodies but you know, you've got a couple of talented guys. Yeah, but he does that, and he won't expand. I mean, he's he's got that curiosity that only one in a hundred people has, and you're letting it go to waste. And you know, sometimes it's stupid stuff. Sometimes it's bad sourcing decisions where they're stuck with with crappy tools. It could be as simple as you know, they won't they won't spend two hundred quid on buying a, a laptop or a, a second monitor that would boost his productivity by thirty percent. But no one's mentoring these people. No one's growing these people. They're just trying to hire the fix. We're doing the same approach with human beings as we are on the technical side. Instead of mm. architecting things and being proactive and getting involved in project teams and, and making sure that systems are, and solutions are architected securely and efficiently, efficiently is a big one. Because if you help them, uh, and I think that breadth of knowledge from security 
is often lacking in a lot of other skill, um, IT disciplines. So you'll have mm. something get architected where it's using 20 servers when you could have done it on six. Well, that's 14 extra servers you now have to monitor and secure. So if mm. you get involved proactively, and a lot of security guys is like, well, that's not our job. That's their job. That's not our job. Mm. So, yeah, but make the effort because it's going to cost cut your workload down by half. And again, it's back to this blame culture of, well, they should do it. And it's like, at most are like, well, meet us halfway. And it's like, it's, it's like being a parent. You have to care. And sometimes you got to go all the way to them. And mm-hmm. in the end, it's worth your, you know, who's, who's at the end of the, at the bottom, bottom of the pile that's going to pick everything up when it falls apart. It's security. So mm-hmm. It's in your interest to get involved proactively as early as possible in the chain. And you have to just build human relationships. It mm-hmm. sounds really tacky, but you mm-hmm. do. You almost sound like the security Socrates or something. <laughs> Thanks. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> the last, the last reference I got was like, oh, you're the boy that tells the emperor he has no clothes. I'm like, oh. Right. Um, okay, got you. Because it's—I mean—the the lack of care. I mean, because we're we're just filling—we're you know—we're putting these tech band aids on a lot of solutions, uh, on a lot of problems. You know, we're, instead of addressing them fundamentally, we're just putting technical band aids. We're just building controls around them, and you're just going to lose track of these controls when you have too many of them. Um, I think I think I may have mentioned this uh, back in December. Uh, Ericsson had a security certificate expired. And mm-hmm. it caused an outage. And uh, here in the UK and some other countries, O2, which is Telefonica in the UK, it's their brand, uh, the, the phone service just dropped out for an entire day because of an expired certificate. And this is a security control, but you had so many of them, you ran out of human bandwidth and you mm-hmm. lost track of it. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah, my, yeah, yeah. my thing is like, again, back to the levels of early organization, you want your people to be as multidisciplinary as possible. And that means soft skills as well. So I don't need eight levels between me and operations. I can have three. And that the, not only does that you know, reduce headcount, but the, the amount of visibility you get is enormous. And that's when you start seeing things. And you know, simplicity equals visibility equals security. Mm-hmm. If you have a huge, and I wrote an article about this, the amount of money that's being wasted on InfoSec, all these tick box exercises. I had one vendor told me, we actually see when the licenses are activated, and 85% of the licenses we sold are never activated. Why? Why would you buy it then? Because they need, you know, they had a, a contractual requirement or an audit requirement, but they were never actually. But then, what implemented. are they doing all day? Like, what are people doing? Like, if you're not actually doing your job, but <laughs> you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on LinkedIn, like. So, I mean, one company I went to last year, for example, so they had this one guy who did the. Uh, he was basically in charge of doing their vulnerability scanning. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would find lots of vulnerabilities caused by missing patches. Uh, right. But the IT guys doing the patching were like, no, that's a false positive because those patches are installed. And they would show him the screenshot of the registry, see the, the patches installed. But they didn't understand that, you know, you don't really understand. And it, I think it's that the lack of the depth of knowledge that mm. of the operating system, the tool you bought is crap because you didn't have a, a proper vendor management and a proper proof of concept uh, process and scope. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay, it deploys the patch, that's fine. Yeah, except in your production environment, this tool requires a reboot, which right. never, never happens. So 
all these registry entries were updated, but the patch was never actually installed. And or actually, I'm not even sure if it's that or it was just basically breaking. It wasn't deploying the patch, but it had already updated the registry. Mm-hmm. Um, so to them, from the registry, which is just a text file, basically, it, everything said that it was there. But you know, when they're actually doing the scan, actually interfacing with the system and, and the service itself, they could see that it was false. So this guy spent 80% of his time, literally between three and four days a week of his time, just manually editing the vulnerability scan results in a spreadsheet to remove all these entries, which were actually a- accurate. And this is the kind of stuff I see in security operations all the time. So there's what you're trying to say here is there's no real efficiency about doing things and with urgency. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I don't understand how, you know, how are you still missing patches? I mean, 99% of breaches today are for the exact same reach, reason as 20 years ago because there's just a lack of care, a lack of – it's so important that all the pieces fit together. I want to uh, double down on that because you wrote a post on LinkedIn, rant warning in capitals, which I liked. I hear, Colin, it's a question of it, but of when an attack will happen, we must be prepared. And I love the mate part because I don't often hear that from people who are not in Australia. <laughs> mate, the attack happened. Like, I just loved it. Like, I was so impressed by that because I don't hear that often. Mate, the attack has been going on for 25 years was your response. Yeah. So... Because I love that post. Well, I, th- I think this relates back to how we first started talking is like, you know, uh, every security vendor out there is portraying, you know, some some hooded figure somewhere uh, and you, you never know, know where he's going to come for you. It's like, hey, it's, it's literally, we've got botnets of hundreds of thousands of computers constantly scanning the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, you plug something in within 60 seconds and that's a conservative figure. It's probably 10 seconds. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm, will mm-hmm. get scanned and you will go into some vast hacking system and they will come get you because you're missing this patch within hours, if not minutes. So well, that, just- that's, I want to, I want to go back on that post because when we, when I think you tagged Chris in it, I, yeah. I think his response, I think got like 60 likes or something on his comment. And this is the thing. So I wanted to call that out. And I didn't that, actually realize that Chris uh, replied to that one, to be honest. I don't yeah, yeah, that. he did. He did. I've, I've got Chris on, on LinkedIn, Thanks, Chris. but he did. <laughs> but I, I, if you go back after this, you'll check. It actually got serious traction. And the thing is, on that post, I'm, I'm just so over people spending their money literally on a vending machine and then never getting a Snickers bar was the actual analogy that I used within that post. And it's the same thing for security. So if you know that you're doing things and you're not getting any return or you're not even worrying and you're doing things that are manual, there's no automation, we're not efficient, we're not doing things with urgency or you don't even care, then what's the point in doing yeah. everything? Yeah, e- exactly. And, and that, and that, but, but not only what's the point, but the industry now has reached this point of, Oh, you can't keep them out. The last 20 years have shown us that it's impossible. It's like, because you haven't tried yet. And we're moving to this, oh, we have to, you know, and I, and I hate how this term is being used. We have to be resilient. It's like, how well do you fare after you've been breached? It's like, how about putting that effort into real resilience, which is actually securing your infrastructure? Because what you're saying is that if I get a rock thrown at me, if I throw a rock at your face, you're going to have to react. <laughs> You're going to have to react, right? And that's, that's what they're saying. It's like the, this rock is coming. We have to react. It's like, mate, if you're sitting 
in a Challenger 2 tank, you're not going to give a crap about that rock coming at you. <laughs> it changes your perspective, right? So just yeah, right, lock you. the damn door and you won't have to worry about resilience. A locked door is resilience. You know, you don't have to worry about impacting your whole, all your business processes to deal with breaches if you just locked a front door. So is but, it just like a, is it, is it like a thing that when, you know, AI, machine learning, all the buzzwords come out, like resilience is just now the buzzword, like we've got to be cyber resilient. It's definitely, all that stuff. yeah, it's definitely, because you cannot, you can no longer, and it, it, this really annoys me about the security industry, and it, it makes it very difficult to engage people because they appropriate words. Uh, you know, for example, earlier we're talking about cultural. If I say cultural, people think user awareness. It's like, no, no, that's not what I mean. I mean that in a much deeper, much more fundamental way. And it, mm -hmm. it starts, you know, first of all, you should be engaging up and go down from there. And I'll, I'll discuss how I do that later. And then, you know, if, when, when I say user awareness, or when I say the mm -hmm. word just awareness, people think, oh, user awareness training. Like, no, I just mean awareness. Because the, the lack of awareness I'm most concerned about is the one within information security organizations. Right. And when I, say, sure. when I say management online, people are like, you know, InfoSec guys, I'm like, yeah, the, the management, you know, the board and finance and this day one was like, no, no, I'm actually talking about you guys. And, and they don't get that. It's, and there's such a blame culture and no one's actually really being honest about their own performance. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, there's just so much tick boxing going on without care of, um, you know, what I said, what I would tell another client, they were quite like, we have all of this, and this is like, you know, their, their list of things we've implemented. We just need these last two pieces of the puzzle. Mm -hmm, and I'm mm -hmm. like, I'm less concerned about the last two pieces of the puzzle as the fact that the, the other 998 pieces don't fit together. No, you're that, right. That's a bigger issue because mm. you think you've got everything covered, but you haven't begun. You know, it's, it's no point, you know, locking the door when you've got the back window wide open. Uh, because you know you didn't think of that one, uh, and it, it's just yeah, and, and well. it's, it just comes down to that that curiosity. I mean, I've always kind of attributed it to it to what I called a hacker mentality, and I just always assumed that everyone in security had that, where you want to understand how every little thing works and pick it apart, uh, but people don't, and and they just really tick the boxes and treat it as a regular job, and um, it's. And because of that kind of different language that technical and especially security people speak to the business, uh, heck, security people speak a different language than, than IT people. Mm, it's cool. really hard to get any kind of accountability. Now, I used to talk a lot about accountability, uh, and I don't really want to talk about accountability anymore. I, I, want, I want people to care. No, I don't want people to be accountable. I want them to care and be proactive about it. Sure, uh, sure, sure, absolutely. But, I mean... I'd love to keep talking to you and I'd love this chat. I think we have to wrap up before our collective blood pressure goes through the roof. <laughs> love to get you back on for another mutual venting though. You're absolutely awesome. That's why I wanted you on the podcast. And the thing is you're just real and you just say it how it is. And I think that calling things out how it is is much to how you, I guess you virtually met me through the video. It's, it's, it's people like that that we really want to speak to. And, and I feel that you've definitely communicated that and you've been, you've been honest, you've communicated those points and I really do appreciate the time, but how can, obviously people will love you. How can they reach out to you once listening to this podcast? 
you know, I'm happy to accept uh, connection requests from anyone in uh, in the industry on the on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sure you can drop my email address in the bio. Uh, mm-hmm. Please don't blow up my phone. That's all I ask for. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, sure I'm, I'm super happy to connect to people. I, I love uh, talking to people. And, and quite often I get people that, you know, I, I'll say something and they'll disagree with me. And it, or it goes three ways. Or they agree m- with me. Great. Fine. Or they disagree with me and they're complete dicks about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a certain Deloitte partner yesterday. And they refuse to justify their position. Uh, or they, they disagree, but they, they'll debate their standpoint. And I think that's fantastic. And sometimes it even begins like a little hostile, but they were like, "Eh, I think we're both thinking, you know what, this guy's onto something. This guy's not crazy. And you get these great debates, conversations going, and you find the views end up usually being quite complimentary, actually. It was just a matter of perspective. And then you end up connecting and and talking on DM for an hour afterwards. Uh, And I think those are great. You know, they they help you actually uh, interact with people. They help you, uh, you know, it builds up your skills in diffusing situations and building collaboration and, and you, you know, it broadens your horizons as well. So I, I welcome, uh, everyone, even if they're critical, cause we've, you know, we've really just brushed, uh, on, on the topic here and I haven't gone into how I actually address this in an organization at all, which is something I'd love to talk about some other time. Uh, cause a lot of people say, well, that, that's very simplistic. It's like it, it is simplistic, but it's also very complex. I mean, it, it what it comes down to is simple, uh, mm-hmm. but how you resolve it is, is quite complex. Awesome. Well, I really do appreciate you taking the time and thank you so much for the awesome chat. I'm, I'm keen to do this again soon. Awesome. That uh, would be my pleasure. Thanks again for joining us. I hope you got some insights from this episode of KB Cast with me, KB. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play to get every new episode as it's released. And as always, show notes are available from kbcast.com for every single episode. We're building a community, so always love to get feedback, ideas, or questions on hello at kbcast.com. 